0: This is Danielle Smith. This is Tammy Peterson. This is Alex Craner. This is Curtis Stone. This is Tom Luongo, and you're listening to the Sean Newman Podcast.
1: Welcome to the podcast, folks. Happy Thursday. Let's get right to it. Silver, Gold, Bull, North America's premier precious metals dealer with state-of-the-art distribution centers in Calgary, Las Vegas. And Silver Gold Bull ensures fast, fully insured, discreet shipping right to your doorstep and offers a diverse set of services, including buyback, wholesale, registered savings like RRSP and TFSA, as well as storage and refining solutions for Sean Newman Podcast. Yeah, that's uh, you, listeners, have their own rep. Mr. Graham, email him at at smpsilvergoldbull.com or you can give them a call. It's all down in the show notes. And if you've never ordered from Silver Gold Bowl, we're going to be unveiling a a first-time buyer for Silver Gold Bowl. Uh, Looking to have some things for that right away. So pay attention to that as well. Um, And then if you've never ordered from them, um, it comes like right to your doorstep. It's pretty slick on how it comes through the mail right to you. And then you got it right in your hand. And once you've had it in your hand once, you're like, this is kind of cool. Just saying. If you haven't tried that out, uh, pay attention here in the coming weeks because we're going to have a first time buyer's offer that I think uh, a lot of you could take advantage of. Kristen McGowan and the team over at McGowan Professional Chartered Accountants, she's been uh, looking for uh, someone to hire. She's looking for a CPA. And uh, she was telling me, you know, just before Christmas, oh, how's how's things going? She's busy, like so busy that, you know, you got people wanting to come to you, but I, I got no room. I need somebody to come work for me. And I'm telling you, I've been speaking praises of uh, Kristen and team over there for quite some time. Lovely group of ladies that, um, well, they deal with me. And that's saying something, folks, when it comes to uh, my taxes. And they're looking for somebody to jump in on their amazing team. They got uh, great wages, flex time, benefits, partnership, opportunity, locally for a local firm who provides full service accounting, consulting, tax, and financial planning services. And if I can say this about Kristen, I think I can. She supports this show, that should say some things, and she supports free speech and starting conversations. So if that's uh got you, you know, maybe that's got your head uh mm-hmm. what 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 a name oop Yeah maybe. Welcome to Thursday, folks. Sean's in a good mood today. If you wanna find out more, go to McGowanCPA.ca if you uh, or you can text me. Honestly, I-, I could probably put you in contact with Kristen as well. Just saying. Tonight for the Kids' Sake is live at the Legacy Center here in Lloydminster. We got a great group of speakers. Uh, Kent Drysdale coming all the way in from Manitoba, uh, Manitoba Stronger Together. We have David Parker from Take Back Alberta. Uh, Ken Rutherford is going to be talking as well from here in Lloydminster. And podcast, yeah, yeah, all listeners should know those three names because they've all been on here. Um, and we're we're looking at the upcoming elections here and open vacant spots on boards, et cetera, in our community. And uh, why not bring in two guys who've uh, done it in Alberta, one, and then uh, Ken Drysdale's going around Manitoba right now, uh, talking to uh, their communities. So we thought we'd bring in a couple guys from across the provinces, and uh, have a little bit of fun. So if you're in Lloydminster, around the area tonight at the Legacy Center, 7 p.m. Uh, you might even be able to get uh, a couple Tucker Carlson tickets. Maybe you just come and find out what I'm talking about. I would suggest being some of the first people there uh, and bring a uh, hundred bucks. That's that's what I would suggest. There, enough cliffhanger for you. Or go to For the Kids' Sake Substack and go do some digging. You can find out more information. Now, let's get on to that. Tale of the Tape. <laughs> He's a fourth-generation truck driver with 14 years of experience. He's also the founder and CEO of Edison Motors. I'm talking about Chase Barber. So buckle up. Here we go. Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Uh, Today I'm joined by Chase Barber. Uh, Sir, thanks for hopping on.
0: Yeah, you betcha. Thanks for having me on the podcast.
1: You know, it's funny since I mentioned, no, I shouldn't say that, uh, uh I have a military roundtable that they come on roughly once a month. And we talk about a lot of different things. Anyways, Edison motors, uh, came up, uh, about, I don't know, three weeks ago. And since I started talking about Edison motors, it's like, I find you guys everywhere now. I'm like, it, it's almost like my phone is listening to me, but that's not quite the case. Cause it's like listeners and everything. Um, talking about you and and different things like that so i'm like well i gotta get these guys on and hear the story and then see what you guys are working on and uh i'm hoping you can uh fill in some of the holes because i don't know a whole lot about you this was just kind of like they're in canada cool and uh and and let's let's see if i can track down these guys
0: awesome yeah i can uh so yeah uh it's crazy how it seems to be spreading and uh... We seem to, for whatever reason, people uh, seem to be tuning in to what we're saying. and It's awesome. I love it. But so to give us a background on us, we're a bunch of log truck drivers from up in Canada. So we've been hauling logs and doing that sort of thing for the last 15 years. And we got tired of seeing the way electric vehicles were going. And we said, like, screw it. We'll build our own electric truck.
1: You uh, you originally from BC?
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
1: What, what, uh, what part of BC are you from?
0: Uh, Merritt BC. You are Merritt? Yeah.
1: And, uh, you know, growing up, like I'm, I'm Lloyd Minster or, or that vicinity. So right in the smack middle of uh, the oil field, um, I assume, you know, like when you, when you, when you're growing up, uh, logging is just a part of the way of Merritt BC, correct?
0: That's right. Pretty well. Everyone that works in town works in logging.
1: So, um. You, uh, when I when I read your guys' stuff, when I've been watching some of your stuff, I'm like, you know, people out here, when they hear of uh, electric semis doing what we do in the oil field, and I believe you guys moved service rigs at one point in time. Am I correct on that?
0: Yeah, yeah. We uh, we moved our trucking company to Grand Prairie when uh, for a no few GP. years. Well, uh, things kind of took a, the logging industry took a shit kicking, and yeah, we went over to Grand Prairie and moved around some service rigs, some doing that did some low bedding, and.
1: Well, I, I was like, what I find interesting about not only what you're doing, but just like your story in general, is a lot of us out here are just like, oh, you know, I'd screw off with these EVs. Like it ain't going to do what we do out here. And yet you're in logging in the mountains and you found a way to maybe uh, to to prove all of us uh, folks out this way. And I don't mean everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm giving myself a hard time here, folks. Uh, a, a way of maybe doing that. Um, before we get into all that, I'm like who is chase who are you? who are these guys i get it you're from merit i get it that you're loggers but like you know like were you always destined to be a trucker and then okay you become a trucker and then who looks at the, this problem and goes oh, i can figure this out like uh, to me it's about as blue collar as it gets and i love it
0: <laughs> yeah that's uh y'all you hit the nail on the head we are pretty well always truckers like fourth generation trucker at this point and a bit of background about me so i went out of high school uh joined the army for a couple of years and then i was old enough to get my trucking license went trucking did that for three years made a bunch of money went to university and that was a mistake that that do do not do that i was i was convinced my mom's like you should go to university because like at the time i was young i was single and i'm like they're like, well, you can't drive a truck forever. You should go to school. And I'm like, I looked into it, talked to a few of my buddies. And they're like, well, there's a lot of good looking girls that go to university. And I thought, well, the worst case, that's not going to be the worst thing for eight months to uh, go hang out with some girl. Anyways, my fine fiance would hear me hate me uh, saying that part. But um, yeah, go in there. And I completed it. Did all four years. And I got offered a job for $45,000 a year. After four years of university and 45000 a year, I made more money in that working a camp job driving truck, like just going out in the middle of nowhere and hauling logs, I could make $45,000, $50,000 in the summer break. And now after doing the university, you're going to pay me less money working an entire year than I did in four, three, four months driving trucks. So I'm like, that's stupid. And my business partner, Eric, he had kind of, uh, he said the same thing. He's like, this is dumb. The wages, I'm like, okay, well, I know we can make good money driving truck. Why don't we take the last of our student loans and we'll go buy a, buy an old Kenworth. And we'll go hauling logs. Like, we'll make more money running one truck. And uh, so we bought a 1969 Kenworth for $4,000. Uh, truck and trailer, old long logger rigging. We spent the last semester of university fixing this thing up, repainting, restoring, changing electrical airlines, and we put it to work. And then we we ran it, and then we bought a truck, and then we bought another truck, and then we bought another truck. And then things took a bit of a downturn. We moved to Alberta. We started hauling logs in Alberta. Then we moved into more low bedding. And when we were doing all the low bedding in Alberta, we got into generators, hauling generators, hauling equipment, and... From the generators we figured out we like oh well we could make a lot more money if we were the ones installing the generators like this isn't hard we haul these generators to site then a crane comes out and a crane sets it down and then a mechanic comes out hooks a generator and then the electrician comes out and hooks up the ele- like they, they hire out the electrician like we know how to repair trucks like a generator is the diesel motor we can hook a generator up so we started hooking up the generators and doing that and then that expanded further where Eric, was an absolute genius, he, he is really the brains of the operation here at Edison. He came out and he, we were doing this little tiny First Nations community, and they had a 95-kilowatt generator. We're like, there's no way that this community needs a 95-kilowatt generator. Why don't instead, like, let, let's have a look at what their average load was. And this little First Nation community only had a 20-kilowatt average load. So instead of putting in a 95-kilowatt generator because what would happen is the demand would spike so 20 kilowatt average load but the power would peak up to 70 kilowatts so what we did is we put in a battery bank the batteries met the peak load demand and then we downsized the generator from 90 to 35 and that just maintained it we went and put a bunch of solar because they were way up north by like the yukon northwest territories border so we were able to like sun time, 24 hour daylight, that would maintain, prop up the batteries, the generator would just fire on for an hour at night or a little bit in the winter to top it up. And we billed $140,000 for that system, which was about $40,000 more than if they just put in the 95 kilowatt hour generator. So for about that extra $40,000, $50,000 more, they ended up saving $85,000 in fuel their first year of operation just by shaving that peak load demand. And then, so we were kind of looking at electric trucks. Like we had moved back to BC at this point. And in login, it kind of made sense to me. You're going uphill empty, you're coming downhill loaded. So you have regenerative braking. And I was thinking I'm like, okay, the torque of electric, the regenerative braking when you're coming downhill in a logging truck in BC, all of these things made sense. And then we looked at it and like, okay, the batteries aren't enough to get a logging truck through a whole day. Like it's not gonna work on fully electric. So why don't we do what we did with the generators and we'll just stick a little generator in there. The batteries are there to be, be there to take care of the peak load demand. So that initial inertia, if you're climbing a heavy hill, you're starting out from a red light, takes a ton of power to get a truck moving. Once you're up to speed, it doesn't actually take that much to keep it moving. Plus you have all the braking. The so realistically it made the truck way more efficient and then we'll just instead of running like a 15 liter engine we'll downsize to a nine liter engine and that'll just be the average base load so we'll do what we did for these tiny little communities in a truck and why don't we do this and basically what happened was i had a tech and we were hauling logs and because i mean generators were not a full-time business at the time it's a nice side business but mainly we were hauling logs and I made a little video on TikTok where I'm like, why aren't electric trucks done this way? And they could do them with a hybrid. And this is dumb. Like, I'm I'm just I'm tired of the way electric vehicles are. Like, it makes sense for this application and it should be done like this. And someone said, well, why don't you just do it then? And I said, screw it. I will. And that led to Edison Motors.
1: You know, I'm chuckling on this side because the first ever Guardian Plumbing and Heating Blue Collar Roundtable is about to happen in like two weeks' time, folks. We got a, a guy coming in from Manitoba. We got uh, a guy from Rocky Mountain House and then a guy here in Lloyd Minster. And I'm like, oh, my God, Chase would fit the, that bill just perfectly. Uh, maybe we'll have to do a virtual blue collar roundtable on on this side. Because, you know, you, what, one of the things I love about uh, blue collar is you look at a problem and you can already see the solutions. Whereas there's, you know, if if you don't know how a truck works, if you don't know all these different things, you you just you never see the moving parts and how they can be worked together to be like, oh, this would actually work. Not that I fully understand everything you just said. I want to be very clear, um, but I get how your brain's working of like this is stupid. You're you're channeling, um, you know, like this is how the ar- the argument has been going here is like all these EVs. I, it's, it's like okay. But what about, like, I don't know, the service rigs? What about all these different things? I don't think this is working. I just I just have, and once you have, um, you know, I think uh, our population where I sit, like, as soon as they haven't addressed all the different ways in which you need vehicles to work out here to power industry, it's like, I'm not getting on board with this. And what's interesting about what you're talking about is you're finding ways and applications to make it useful, and not only that, extremely cost effective when you go back to the the northern community on on just the fuel uh and taking that knowledge and applying it to um trucks i assume you're starting to see or 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 that's where it leads to is not only are you getting um the same type of torque or power but i assume there's going to be savings and a whole bunch of like cost benefit like this is awesome
0: yeah we were showing like a 50% reduction in fuel savings like your fuel savings makes the truck payment and the increased power and in torque is a bonus.
1: Well, and the thing is, is I don't need to tell a, a guy from British Columbia this, but here in Alberta, you know, fuel isn't cheap, and it keeps going up. And I, if I hop across the border to British Columbia, I'm like, "Whew, no, you guys are like insane with your your cost of fuel." I'm, um, I, I guess, I'm curious, like an electric, so it. Walk me through how your engine works, because I I guess I, you know, I grew up around my dad drove truck. So I grew up around, you know, this big engine, like hauling giant loads, going through the mountains and having to pull up. Uh, This is operating off of batteries or am I missing that?
0: Yeah, it operates off the batteries. The batteries, best way to describe it is that it's a fully electric truck that packs around its own level three fast charger.
1: And that's and that's the generator.
0: That's a generator. Yeah, it works the same way as like a you know like freight trains. How a freight train works, it works the exact same as a freight train. Like a freight train's got a big diesel generator, and then it's got AC traction motors, and then they run like a capacitor battery bank in there to give the deliver the power.
1: How many how many of these you got on the road right now?
0: Uh, just two of them. Just two of them. Yeah.
1: So they are like prototype.
0: Oh yeah yeah. We,
1: and, uh, and 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 was and you know like uh uh labor of love, obviously. Uh, um like when you finally got the first one, when was the first one done? Uh July twenty twenty two?
0: Uh yeah, somewhere around there. August twenty twenty no. Yeah, twenty twenty two. I'm I'm getting all my dates mixed up. Basically, okay, so that's,
1: that was- that's 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 two years ago. That's well, what are we at? No, that's not to- two years ago. It's twenty twenty four. It's less than two years a ago. Year
0: a ago. Roughly.
1: Hey, and has it been? You've been using it since then.
0: Uh, we used it real hard for a few months. We figured out and did some engineering and what we learned from it, and so a bunch of things kind of sucked on that first truck. It was a crude proof of concept. We showed that we could build the electric vehicle. The generator could charge the batteries. It ran and drove but there were some weak linkages. We were snapping U-joints, snapping drive shaft. The electric motor was delivering just too much torque for the drive line to handle. So when we try and load the truck fully, everything else worked, but it would just snap that drive line. So that, that was an issue. We ran into heating. So we put the generator and the EV cooling on the same radiator and we figured the same rad. And then we ran into overheating issues when we hit like 40 degrees out. We were running, we were overheating the uh, batteries. We actually fried an inverter um, due to it just got too hot and an air compressor. But um. so, that is, so we took those lessons we learned from the very first truck. We sat down again and said, okay, well, how do we do it better? How do we make it get it to a production prototype, a truck that we'd be comfortable selling? And we changed up some things. So we got rid of the drive shaft. So we went to electric axles which allowed us to put the batteries inside the frame rail instead of it mounted externally because now we we did no longer have a drive shaft which made the batteries more protected in the case of an accident we instead of one of the issues was we pulled apart a generator that was just a standby generator like you got to remember this was a crude proof of concept during the middle of supply chain crisis during covid so we ripped apart an old 3306 cat generator it had an open stator. We then found a waterproof end that's now an IP68 rated generator. So it can go in the mud, the snow, the road salt without getting into the stator. And we separated the two coolants onto their own circuit. And we'll be testing that over the next six months before we start building the next trucks. And But we, we learned a lot of lessons. We took what we learned, we redesigned it. Then we built another truck and we unveiled that truck in September.
1: And how has that been going since September?
0: Really, really well. So we spent a few months on computer programming, really dialing it in. So we learned that, yes, electric has a lot of torque and we were just doing burnouts everywhere, just leaving rubber. So, and not even intentionally, like, it's not like I was trying to leave rubber The just the amount of torque in an electric engine is insane. So we did a bunch of throttle mapping. How should the basically
1: You're talking Chase, you're talking to uh um, you know, um, man, there's I've had a, a few different semi-truck drivers on here, okay? I don't drive truck. I actually, if I'm being very honest, my father, once upon a time, my two of my brothers and my dad have a trucking company and I was working for them. And, you know, the offers there, well, get your class one. And I'm like, I'm never getting my class one. I do not want that life. I'm not doing it. So I'm going to try and ask a very simple question to the hardcore truck driver that's hearing that an electric motor has that much power. When you're talking to these the the truck driver from across Canada, how can you explain it to him and maybe you're doing a great job and I'm just dense because I don't fully understand everything you're rattling off, which I'm laughing at myself folks because it's 100% true. When you, you you drove truck, you said you're fourth generation um, trucker, right? I guess what I was trying to ask is, you know, if you're talking to a hardcore trucker, and maybe I should just explain it for my, my 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 brain goes. Some, I guess this, I don't know if it shocks me or if I just am a little surprised by it. I think of an, I think of a, an electric engine moving a logging truck up and down mountains. I guess my simple mind goes. Hmm. That kind of surprises me a bit. Like that isn't the first place I would think to put an electric motor. And I guess the reason I bring up the, the, you know, the, the old school trucker who's been driving truck all his life and talking about power and, you know, and like moving loads and everything. Um, what is it about an electric motor that just has so much power? Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't even know what the question has. It just surprises me.
0: Oh, I'm, I don't know how to answer that question. I'm not a physicist. I don't know exactly why it has more power. But but it's like
1: noticeable, Chase. You're like, this thing, inc- this is like insane. It's
0: insanely noticeable. So it's got almost twice the amount of power of a normal truck. So electric motors are incredibly torquey. They're the reason why when you see it, it it's, it's why I've been saying that electric vehicles are being used in the wrong application. Like they're being used for light city delivery vehicles. Like. People that just run around town carrying the mail. Like the guy that just dropped off that delivery. And the other pro- they're doing it because the issue isn't the electric motor. It's the batteries. Traditionally, when you see electric motors being used, you see them in very industrial hard applications. Like freight trains are electric. The old Laterno log loaders from the 1960s and 70s were all diesel electric. You look at a sawmill; all the stuff in a sawmill is electric. The cat haul trucks that haul 200 tons are electric drive. You have the, a lot of do like you're seeing new dozers now, electric drive. Like heavy equipment has leaned hard in the electrification because electric can deliver a ton of power, a ton of efficiency. They just power it off of the diesel motor and a diesel generator. That's just how it works because they don't have battery doesn't deliver the range. And in the move to electrification, the biggest issue has been the batteries, the batteries suck. They're, they're not great. They're, they don't last long. We don't have the density in order to move a truck for the full workday that the truck needs to do. But the electric motors are just giving insane power. Like you ever watched that video of the cyber truck, the Tesla Cybertruck? truck, it drag races a Porsche and it blows past the Porsche. And while doing that, it was pulling a trailer that had a Porsche on it. So the Cybertruck beat the Porsche while towing another Porsche. Like the torque and power out of electric is absolutely insane. Like if you think about it uh, this way, is like look at all the tools you have in your shop. The impact guns, the drills, they're all electric. Imagine using them like a mechanical drive drill again. Like...
1: Yeah. You have to bear with me here, here, uh, uh, for, for the people just listening, bear with us, uh, for the people watching, well, I, I guess I'm, I'm pulling it up. Screw it here. <laughs> now, is this the right video?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Beats it off the line while towing the car that it was racing
1: point a quarter mile time under 11 seconds zero to 60 and 2.6 yep yeah um <clears throat> forgive me when i was thinking of a truck i was thinking of like a big semi and what we're talking about here is uh, a pickup truck right yeah, like we're just that's... talking about
0: the pickup truck here i was just using yeah. it as a comparison yeah yeah, yeah comparison yeah yeah, yeah
1: yeah. sorry yep yeah. no and i, I get you I, in my brain i'm like did i see this the semi go blown by a porsche i'm like geez how did i miss that but it's the cyber tr- i'm I get you.
0: It's uh, even when we uh, we did our load testing with Topsy, when we were loaded to 100,000 pounds, that thing accelerated like that load wasn't even behind it. Like um, you can see in the one place where I'm driving and I'm already rolling at five kilometers an hour. Like I'm already cruising. I put my foot into the floor and I spin all four tires on the truck while having 100,000 pounds. Like I've never seen that in a truck before the power, the acceleration, the torque, the region, the hold back is better than a Jake break. So you have better slowing down ability, better acceleration, more torque, more power while burning less fuel.
1: So what's the, um, what's the holdup on, 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 the on the, the big rig side on the, on the semi side.
0: So we're, we're working on that. Um, right now we just finished all of our testing that we had to do we've got our vin number issued so we now have our truck it's now a legal truck we can drive on the road next we're going to be doing some road testing and in the meantime we've taken a few customers we've shown them the truck they've been impressed by it and uh they placed orders so we're only going to be doing about four trucks next year that's it i don't want to be one of these ev companies that builds one prototype and then all of a sudden thinks that they can build 2,000, 3,000 trucks the next year. No, we're just going to do four. We're going to do four with the companies that we've strategically selected, test those ones out, and then we're going to start looking at production. Who,
1: uh, uh, I don't know if you're allowed to say, I assume you can, but like who, who are the who are the companies that are, are testing it out?
0: Some of the companies don't want to saying just due to okay. NDAs we have, but um, for example, one is a municipal works pro uh, trucks, truck that works in a heavy residential area. The reason why they wanted the truck is that they are constantly in residential areas. So they want to be able to run off full electric, shut the generator off. They can do their quick job on electric that they need to do in the residential area, leave the residential area, fire the generator as they're on their way to go dump their load, recharge the batteries on there, and then come back in, shut the generator off, do their work on electric so they've reduced noise pollution. Another one we're doing is going to be a snow plow, and that's going to allow us to test the winter. Part of it, the salt, the road grime. See how this vehicle performs in the winter time. Another one's going to be for a mine haul application that's going to be running twenty four seven, and then the other one we're doing is a service rig for the oil and gas industry. Which I'm you.
1: You answered my question beautifully because I actually wasn't worried about the company. I was more worried about the. I was more curious about the industries. So you've checked off um, a whole bunch, uh, essentially.
0: Yeah. We, uh, first one we did was a log and truck. So we're just trying to cover all the industries we can and we'll see what the feedback is from these different industries.
1: Is, uh, is the, um, service rig, is it an Alberta service rig or is it over? It is. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's out of Drayton Valley.
1: Interesting. Is there a way, uh, just, just the, the, you know, me being not that far from Drayton, is there a way to go see this thing in action? Like as, as we go along?
0: No, I'm sure. Um, we're working with actually a shop in Drayton Valley that's going to be helping us out with the retrofit on it, is because we're trying to train other people on how to work and service these EVs. So, the, yeah, we're going to probably be starting on that project around June, July. That's when it's roughly scheduled to start going through its process of stripping it down. Right now, they're doing a full level four rebuild. It's a 1982 rig, so it, it is a 40-year-old <laughs> rig, and they're tearing it all down. They're rebuilding the derrick and the mast and all the draw works. And...
1: <laughs> you you got to be um, – everybody wants new, you know? Look at farming, new. Everything's new. GPS out with the wazoo, that thing can drive itself on and on. What year of a service rig? Uh,
0: 1982.
1: So is it like these retrofits? Yeah, you, you're looking at you're looking at a certain vintage of 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 uh, model of, of year or not model of year year of model, like was, or, or or does it matter?
0: We did the first truck we did was a uh, a 1962. So,
1: but that's what I mean. Uh, sorry, that's what I'm getting at. Not that it has to be 1971 and that specific vintage. I uh, just that you're not picking on a 2016 uh, whatever build you're like, they're, they're, they're just older and you can retrofit them and make them better than they probably have been.
0: Yeah. I've seen some other EV companies that are doing retrofits where we're doing, they're no longer doing them. Um, but they were only doing retrofits on brand new Peterbelts and Peterbelt wouldn't sell a glider. So what they were doing was taking in the motor, taking in the diesel motor, ripping the diesel motor out, putting in batteries, putting in electric axles. like So you'd rip out the transmission, the differentials, the motor, and you would gut these. Like, why are you buying brand new trucks just to gut them? There's plenty of good old trucks out there that have good bones but need a new driveline. Like a service rig right now is like $5 million. Why would you gut a brand new service rig that just rolled off the line There's no difference between a service rig from 1982 and a service rig from 2023. The design principles of the service rig has not changed in those 40 years. The only thing that's different between a 2023 and a 1982 is the amount of rust on it.
1: And then probably some bells and whistles.
0: Not not really, no. Believe it or not, they are very simple machines at their fundamental core. I know they seem real complex, but you look into it. All we need to do is we've got to put one electric motor in there for the hydraulics. And we got to put one electric motor on there for the draw works. And that's it. Two electric motors and that runs the whole service rig operation.
1: You know, I have such a, a foul taste in my mouth for EVs. Even though I've rode, ridden in a Tesla and I was very impressed with uh, like how it handled and... Um, um, forgive me. What's, what's the type of breaking it has?
0: Regenerative.
1: Regenerative. Like I, I found that like super cool, right? Like, yeah. um, I was like, wow, that's actually pretty slick. But you know, the, the way, um, the way media has gone about it, or maybe government or maybe all of the above, I'm not sure is every time you say EV, I'm like, oh man, I, I just like, but your way is, is, um, it feels rather creative or maybe just like. I don't know. Creative using
0: the finest 1930s technology. That's right. But that isn't – come on, Chase. insane that people are saying, they're like, it's creative. How could Edison think of that? No, it's only been in this way for over 100 years we've been doing diesel-electric, and it's proven to be very efficient, (laughs) very reliable. And now it's just everybody else has missed – that transitional step. And that's the problem is that we've gone diesel and they're like, okay, diesel mechanical. Well, we need to move away from just diesel mechanical. Let's go electric because the benefits of electric. Look how powerful it is, but the batteries, but we're missing that transitional gap of diesel electric because eventually in theory, batteries are going to improve over time. Batteries will get better. We'll invest more in our grid infrastructure. We'll get more electrical power. And as the batteries get better, the generator can get smaller and smaller until maybe 20, 30 years in the future. You don't even need the generator because the batteries have the density to get everybody through their day. Well, at that point, great, but they're trying to hop right to that end zone and they're missing. And the problem is, is that everybody I found that's anti-EV, they're not anti-electric, they're anti-battery. And I'm on that board. I don't like the batteries. The batteries have a long way to go. Our grid infrastructure has a long way to go. But the electric motor itself, like anybody that's driven a Tesla, when it slams them into the seat, when it regens, it's like, oh, that's awesome. It's just too bad it's not doesn't have the range of anything else. And it's a, like, just put in a generator in it, and then you have the performance of the electric with the range of the gas and diesel.
1: Yeah, when I say creative, I more mean, you know... There's two sides. Well, I don't know if I'm, I'm bang on on this, but it feels like there's two sides. There's the side that goes, everything you just said about batteries. This is a stupid idea. And and I'll, I'll put myself pretty firmly in that camp. Like, what are they doing? You know, I read the story of uh, um, uh, the Edmonton uh, buses, right? They bought a couple of EV buses and then and then had to spend a crazy amount of, uh, it was like $100,000 on blankets to try and keep the bl- uh, the batteries warm. And then they wouldn't even last the full day and on and on. And you're like, why are we doing this? Yet the the EV, the the climate, we are killing the world, whatever you want to put it at is, or like they have to work. They have to work. Even though there's a whole bunch of people going, but they don't work. Like it's it's showing that it doesn't work. And so when I say creative is, although you have your foot in one camp of like the batteries, yeah, they're crap. You've found this like bridge, if you would, because most people, if they've been in a hybrid vehicle, aren't like, this is a dumb idea. I'm never driving this. They're like, actually, I'm Don't mind some of this, like this is actually pretty good. And that's, what's creative about it. And I guess I, I I don't know if creative is the right word, just that you found a way to remove the emotion from it and be like, listen, you got everything you need right there, let's just put these two things together and make it work. And all of a sudden you got the best of both worlds and maybe in a hundred years, 20 years, I don't know what it is, 10 years, 50 years, whatever it is, maybe there's a way that you slowly wean off all of diesel, but it isn't today. Isn't tomorrow, but I have a solution that might actually work. And you know, in a world where everything costs for you know every every price is just going through the roof, this could actually work and save you a bunch of money. Is, is what I'm I'm hearing?
0: Yeah, that's essentially it. Is we just used a bunch of parts that we could find that's been in existence for the last hundred years, and we okay. Well, this is what Laterno used in the 1960s. You know, so when someday. We use it
1: someday chase barber folks might be just this billionaire you know like how do you how did you ever get him on the show and i'll be like i don't know he he came on and he's just like you know we're just throwing together parts we went in the back shop and we said you got this metal thing you got a generator let's slap it on let's see if this works and i'm like man i miss i miss these like this is uh this is what the blue collar roundtable is supposed to be all about you know uh, funny story on blue collar right down in New Zealand, in the middle of pro uh, in, in the middle of all the COVID and mandates and everything, right? They had this huge protest. So what did the government do? They they didn't bring in. Uh, they they had outhouses, but they didn't come in to drain the outhouse. Okay, and so what did the blue collar people do? Well, the plumbers got there and hooked it up to the sewer so that it just drained itself. And I'm like, that's brilliant. Like, don't mess with blue collar people. They look at problems and they don't go, oh, can't do anything about it. They don't dump a crazy amount of money that they don't have on it, they create solutions. They just look at it and go, well, what if we just did that and solved the problem and carried on with life? Oh, okay, done. I've
0: been saying that, that, and I've said that very publicly, that I would rather have 10 really good, heavy-duty mechanics, and they will be able to build a truck better than 100 tech engineers. Like, you take... 10 good mechanics from any shop in a BC, Alberta, and you say, hey, I want you to build me a semi-truck, they will build you a better truck, more reliable for cheaper than 100 Silicon Valley tech bros sitting in an office in San Francisco. Guarantee you. And I have seen that before where there's been other companies. And we're flying down to Texas to go have a look at that company's equipment because they have a bunch of equipment that we use, but they're out of business now and selling it on a fire sale for scrap prices because they had over 180 engineers trying to design an electric truck and then, okay, the electric and then, okay, maybe we can do hi- hybrid and we'll do hydrogen hybrid a natural gas hybrid or this hybrid. And they, they had it confusing ways where they had a diesel engine to an automatic transmission to a drive shaft to a single rear axle. And then they would put in a natural gas generator that would then power an electric axle at the back. And that would be a little assist and a little bit of regen with a tiny like it's just so convolutedly complicated. Or you look like Tesla, where they redesigned the entire braking system of the truck. Like semi trucks have had standard type 3030 brake plots since the 1950s. Spring parking brakes you release the brake the spring applies locks on the air to a red and yellow button in the cab every since 1950 they had the red and yellow buttons in the cab release brake tesla decided that no they didn't they didn't know what that was or didn't want to use it they're going to redesign how the entire parking brake system works on a semi truck They got rid of the yellow and red buttons that every trucker uses where the spring brake fails on, and they put it into this touchscreen system that's integrated in there, and it's proprietary to the Tesla semi. But guess what? They had to do a bunch of recall on all their semi trucks because the parking brakes would release, and they would just fail. They would randomly come off, and the truck would roll away while it was parked. So all of your engineers, billions of dollars spent And you couldn't just not one trucker, one mechanic, one blue-collar guy be like, hey, guys, this is the parking brake that we have used since 1947. Why don't we just use the parking brake since the 1940s that's on every other truck? Every manufacturer to this day, Kenworth, Freightliner, Western Star, Peterbilt, all use that brake pot built in 1947 still available on a 2023 but no tesla was going to redesign the whole thing and then it failed and the trucks rolled away without their brakes like jesus like and then we get these people of like oh edison motors is so revolutionary you're doing things that nobody else has done i'm like no we're doing common sense approaches
1: yeah you but know? common sense today is revolutionary like, that that doesn't happen
0: but it is it's, <laughs> like and then like, people are wondering, how did you get a truck built? So like, we got investigated hard by the government because they, they said that there's no way that you're going to be, this is clearly like embezzling funds or something's not right. Or you're taking investor money and not declaring it. Cause there's no way that you could build a truck for when companies are spending $2, two billion, $3 billion. There's no way that you can get this done for a million. And then they looked at our books and they spent six months investigating to see if we were, had anything fishy going on. And we're like, nope, turns out we did it. And we actually did it for that price. And like, well, how did you do it? Well, we didn't reinvent the parking brake. We didn't, re, we didn't make custom $1,500 headlight assemblies for our truck. You know,
1: if this fails, you could be a stand-up comedian, Chase. I, I, I personally, common sense, I'm like, whew. I, I, I'm uh I, I don't know if I've laughed this hard in a while on the podcast because it's like you know like there's nothing revolutionary except it is everybody has gone away from common sense is it uh, you know if, if to get to your destination hang a left we're gonna hang a right and actually we're gonna drive right for a very long time and and then maybe we'll turn around to go back to our destination. Nobody uses common sense anymore it's I mean look at Pierre Polieff he's running on common sense and love or hate the politics side of it uh, folks you go. Well, that's what everybody wants. It's just like, can we get some common sense answers and, and move along and, and carry on? This oh, is
0: uh, my videos so much, though.
1: <laughs> hey,
0: that guy steals my content so much. Pierre Poly- Oh, every time we just make a joke now when we say something or like I do something and you're like, oh, how long until Pierre is a... Like I did this video on I know we're slightly getting off. Oh, track. That's all
1: right. <laughs> Welcome to the Sean Newman podcast, Chase.
0: Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> So the leader of the Green Party was opposing the natural gas pipeline to Kitimat. And I did a little TikTok, YouTube short on it, saying that, no, like her argument that it was going to increase BC's carbon emissions by three gigatons of CO2 per year. And that'll have, give us trouble making our 2030 goals. And I said that my logic was all that natural gas is going to China and they're shutting down coal power plants, and they're turning them into natural gas power plants. If you look at the reduction from coal to natural gas, we were looking at about 40 to 50 gigatons of CO2 production by shipping the natural gas over there. And all that uh, coal-powered emissions creates a lot of sulfur dioxide. That sulfuric dioxide goes into the jet stream, travels across the Pacific, where it lands on the coast of BC, because... You travel across the Pacific, first thing you hit from China is the mountain range of British Columbia, where all the clouds then try and lose their water, climb over, it dumps as acid rain. So I'm like, yes, we may increase three gigatons or whatever it is of CO2 here, but we're eliminating 40, 50 gigatons globally by doing this while generating jobs and cleaning up our water system. I did this, and then... Two days later, Pierre Pauliev comes out with a statement that was like verbatim to my TikTok, and like the, maybe it's he's watching like it. at least like three, four videos now where it's like verbatim after I say it, and I, I just kind of like it's it's cool. It's it's cool that he like somebody's listening, but it, it's kind of funny. It,
1: oh um, well. Well, maybe he's just listening.
0: No, oh, I mean, I, I agree with the guy. Maybe he would just, or there's enough people saying these things in the same circles that it could be, but it's just been a long running internal joke.
1: If I'm just a, uh, an everyday guy, um, you guys sell, do you sell, uh, what do you call the kits? I'm spacing on the name right now. Is a kit, correct?
0: Yeah. We just, we don't have a fancy name.
1: Okay, cool. Uh, you're not reinventing the, the 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 stop and go. You're not you're not reinventing a whole bunch of these things. We just have a kit. Oh, okay, that's okay. fair enough. You don't have some fancy title like a government title that's like 18 letters long, and you're like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Fair enough. The kits. If I'm just an everyday person and I want to get one of these, like, can uh, I guess what I'm leaning to is tell people where they can find you, and if they're interested in say getting one of the kits for a half uh, for a truck um what's the time frame on getting one Uh, can they order blah blah blah
0: we're about two years off so we came out with the pickup kits and we're training up a few installers to install we took the same technology from the semi truck and we downsized it to a pickup truck we realized we can use the same batteries instead of using six batteries we just use two batteries instead of five inverters we just use two inverters so we can just downsize it put it into a pickup truck And that's a great way to really train people on how to do up these pickups. That gets the installers out there. They're going to practice with the pickup trucks. That should be available to the public in 2025, kind of next year. And all the semi trucks we're doing ourselves over the next year, two years, just because realistically, if something goes wrong and it's a $40,000 pickup, that gets an installer screws up, it's not as bad as a $400,000 hydro back truck that gets screwed up. So it's a great training. It allows us to order some parts in bulk, which gets our cost way down. And so, yeah, about 2025 is the long-winded answer to that.
1: If, okay. If you are, you know, like out here, oil patch, Lots of oil hauling, service rigs, tank moves, et cetera. I just I picker trucks, right? I got my uh, two older brothers once again and, and a father who run a, a trucking company. They, they, they lift heavy loads. They move heavy loads. They move wide loads, high loads. They go all over the place. Um, let's say they're like, huh, this sounds really interesting. How do they go about seeing one in action or... Uh, finding out more information, or do they just contact, do they just go to your website and go, hey, Edison, uh, we'd love to be, you know, in line. Maybe we could test trial one of these things. You know, you, you're testing four in the next year in different industries. What if a company is listening and goes, holy crap, I, w- I, want, I want to try this.
0: So we've actually, for the semi-trucks, we've filled all of our production until 2025. So unfortunately, the opportunity is kind of out for guys to get in there like i said i don't want to be the ev company that sure. tries to make a thousand trucks a year before they really fleshed out their product let's just focus on making these next four or five we'll maybe make another 10 after that while we build a production facility make sure those trucks are good and then we'll start offering sales to the general public so we pretty well just immediately filled the spots we had which and... is a good problem yep yep it, it's not the worst problem um and then there's a reservation for the pickup if somebody has like a service truck a tow truck a just an old pickup or a newer pickup that they want to convert to the same electric drive we're doing that because this year we're working with three different installers and we're training three four installers this year we're going to train another 10 this year so we're able to expedite the pickup kits for 2025 delivery But I wouldn't expect anybody to get a semi-truck or have those positions open again until 2026. Okay, so
1: 2026. Because, uh, listen, I just had Danielle Smith, uh, Premier of Alberta, on. I don't know what that was, folks. uh, Right before Christmas. And she's talking about Minister Gabo and how basically they're going to manufacture... I'm going to call it vehicle shortages on lots, right? They're trying to push everybody to EVs. And we all know the different years, 2030, 2031, and blah, blah, blah. And by 2026 now, what they've come out with is a certain percentage of all vehicles sold have to be EV. And that percentage has to climb and climb and climb and climb. So when you say 2026, I don't get all go, oh, I hear, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe this is something we need to pay attention to, right? Because 2026 doesn't feel that far off to me. I'm sure there's companies or people going, but I want in on it tomorrow. Um, regardless, I like the approach. I I think it's a very balanced approach, a very, if I can say this, common sense approach. It it, it makes sense. Um, when it comes to individual trucks, uh, is there, you you said it and my brain, I don't know if it skipped a beat or what, but uh, you got installers, you're training installers. Um, there is a, a waiting list for that. What is the weight? on something that is is you know you, you'd mention a service truck or just a plain old uh truck that somebody wants to convert
0: um we filled that list pretty quick so it's probably almost two years now because the list is filling up there but yeah it's we're gonna be starting getting those kits out and I think we can actually tackle those pretty fast because it's way quicker to do a pickup truck than it is to do a, a full trip sure. but yeah
1: what is what does one of them go for what's a kit worth
0: Oh, that's a so I get that question. That is the hardest question to answer because the basic thing is it depends. And I hate that argument that <laughs> there's such a difference between vocational trucks. Like a HydroVac is way different than a light delivery truck. Specking out of like an F550 fully done up is going to be a lot different than somebody that just wants to put a kit in. They've got a 1980s truck, it's simple, it's easy. They just, sure. they want a two wheel drive just to work around. Another one wants a giant four by four and they want to be able to run their welder and they want an electric air compressor. And it, it totally changes, it's like the pickup world. You could walk Can in <laughs> and you could buy a $40,000 F-150 gas base model, or you could buy a $150,000 and $550, is the is that? the
1: price i guess where i'm going then is my next question is it like the price differential that big is it 40 to 150 or is it like oh no god no it's like 10 to 20
0: uh yeah we're probably gonna be in that 40 or thirty thousand at the low end and then you can get up to a hundred thousand dollars at the high end if you really want there you to go fancy so well I, I, but that gives a that, that gives
1: that gives people something to chew on right this isn't a five hundred dollar uh, part input, and it ain't a five hundred thousand dollar input for for the 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 low end kits. I'm not talking about this, you know, the giant uh, getting into service rigs and all that jazz. I don't even want to go down that road. I'm I'm more interested in just the everyday person. Um, Thirty thousand on the low end, hundred thousand on the high end. With with putting in a kit like that, not only if you you took a 1980s truck and all of a sudden you get to you get to buzz around in that beauty again. Um, what does it do on fuel consumption then like what should you see because like right now you know like with the gas prices the gas prices continuing to go up we'll see what uh uh, elections bring in 2025 but on you know in the foreseeable future fuel is going up i don't see a way around that so what is what does something like this do to your fuel consumption um for for the purchaser
0: that's also the same hard to answer for the same thing like a a login truck in BC <laughs> is going to see a lot different change than a guy pulling 20,000 pounds down the highway, hauling the mail. It's um, how do you, there's so many different jobs. Like the service rig has a much different fuel consumption than the Hydrovac truck. They, they're different job profiles, but essentially... I'm glad I could
1: give you some tough questions to make. Yeah, to these are
0: always the toughest questions, but I can give like some case examples. So for sure. a logging truck in BC where you're going up empty and you're going downhill loaded, you could see like an 80% to theoretically, if you have it on the right haul, 100% fuel reduction. You can really see some efficiencies. If you put it on the highway and you're just pulling... 20 30,000 pounds of mail down the highway on an interstate on flatland, you may only see a 5% fuel reduction. Because I can gear a mechanical truck where you put in a 400-horsepower truck. It a highway truck doesn't take advantage of the region, doesn't take advantage of the peak loading, you can gear that highway truck where it's running at 100 kilometers an hour at its peak RPM, and there's only like a 5 10% efficiency going electric. But you look at the another thing is like, say, a gravel truck working in the city. A lot of stop-and-go traffic, regen braking, taking advantage of the peak load demand, can see about a 50% reduction in fuel mileage or fuel.
1: How about a guy who takes his 1980 Chevy and puts this in?
0: I mean, then you're looking at probably like a 70%. Like if you consider like an old 454, (laughs) an old gas, naturally aspirated 454, And you put in a a hybrid system, you're really going to see like a tripling of your power, like three times the power for like half the fuel consumption is kind of like it's it's good. That's the thing. It's like the farther off you go, it's like, look at a welder. Take a welding rig, for example. They're going to have amazing fuel economy because you go out to site. Most of them, they're running their, they got a Dodge Cummins. They're running that Cummins for 14 hours a day as the truck idles. And then they're running a generator. They got their old Lincoln or Ready Arch welder running their welder. So a diesel going. So they're running two diesel engines just to do the weld. And weld is a perfect peak load demand. It takes a lot of power while you're laying your bead. But once you take it off and you're no longer arcing over, well, it's not that much power. So it's a very high intermittent power. So you still need a big engine that's running in order to give that electrical power. But then as soon as you stop welding, you're no longer using that power, but you still have that engine running plus the pickup. We can essentially through an inverter, take the big batteries from the pickup and the welder could run off of that three phase power. So you could run an electric welder, which only uses the power you're actually using. Then if the batteries start getting low, The engine in your truck fires up. it comes on as a standby, it recharges the batteries, and then it shuts back off again. So you might run your diesel engine for half an hour a day, 40 minutes a day, instead of running one diesel or two diesels 14 hours a day. That welding truck's going to see like an 80%, 90% reduction in its fuel consumption.
1: Man, I've enjoyed this. Uh you've made me laugh multiple times and uh anytime that happens, uh it's a good day, I think. A little bit of laughter goes a long way. A little bit of common sense goes a long way. Um if you've got a couple extra minutes, I'd like to throw over to uh, Substack. Yeah. Uh, I know we'd said uh, top of the hour, and I'm gonna make sure that I only keep you for an extra I, I got another, extra uh, five.
0: I got another little bit here. Okay.
1: Well, for the listener, if they've been enjoying this, we're gonna switch over to Substack uh and and we'll 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 carry on for a few extra minutes there. Um so follow us on over there if you Find folks like and uh, well, Chase will be back on on the Substack side.